0: Special episode of the Behind the You podcast, man. The canes basketball team's in the final four. We had to do something special. So I figured why not uh, pay tribute to Coach Larry Nega with three guys who I don't know if any, any three men know him any better. Michael Huger, Eric Conkle, Chris Caputo, all of uh, well, one has played for him. All three have coached for him. Coach Conkle's at Tulsa, Chris Caputo at George Washington, and Michael Huger most recently at uh, at Bowling Green. Fellas, thanks for for coming on and doing this.
1: Thank you. Thank you,
0: Josh. I'll be the point guard here. I'll try and distribute. And, and and Coach Huger will start with you very simply this, and I'm have all three of you answer this. Sunday night, clock strike zero. Canes and Coach Larinegar are going to the final four. Michael, your
1: emotion was what? I was so, so excited for him. I was jacked. I'm in here yelling at the TV, clapping like he could hear me and don't do this coach, go do that. And it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, he can't hear me, but it was so much fun uh, just watching them and the excitement and the guys and just so happy for Coach L and the staff and, you know, Chris and those guys who, you know, helped build that thing up for him. And it was just a lot of fun to watch and uh, just seeing Mrs. L and all of them out there. It was just fun. It just brought back memories of us and when we won the championship in
2: 2013. Eric, what about you? Well, I'm glad you're running point point. gave it to Mike first. Cause he shoots it all the time, so. <laughs> um, but you know, they're, they're in Kansas city and it's about almost four hours from where we were at. And we, we were contemplating, trying to get up there, but we had recruiting and the and our boys were playing basketball and just told Coach Coachella, just make it to Houston. We'll see you there. And um, so when, when we're all watching the game, all four of us, and uh, of course, Ryan Ryan was born in Miami He considers himself a Miami boy he says it once it hit zero all of us were just yes I mean just so excited for coach uh the whole staff uh the entire University of Miami
0: and Chris I mean you were just there a year ago right at that moment and obviously for the guys like Jordan Miller like it really stung him and he wanted to get back there I mean, I imagine the feeling was the same, but in that moment, can you take me back for, to you watching that
3: happen? It's like, you feel like the nervous parent that they keep showing or the no nervous family member in the stands that they showed during the NSA tournament. Yeah. I'm sure these guys would feel the same way. I-, I felt the same way sitting on my, uh, on my couch here in, in Virginia watching. And, uh, you know, you're kind of like balled up and, uh, you know, got your hands on your face and you know, all that stuff that if, if I was in the stands, they would have shown me, uh, cause it's, it's good for a uh, NCAA tournament, uh, heart, heartfelt moments or what have you. So I was, yeah, super happy for those guys and, um, to get there last year and get close and be up at halftime against Kansas and thinking like, wow, this, you kind of let yourself, you'll, you shouldn't do this, but I think it's human nature. You kind of think, like mm, wow this, this actually could happen now, you know, like we got to have another good half, but this could happen. And certainly Kansas was, uh, incredible in the second half. And, but, at the end of that, you felt like, man, the, the program had gotten back to where we thought it could be when all, all three of these guys, uh, you know, got there in 2011. And so I felt really good about that. But then, you know, to kind of push it through to the Final Four is is it's incredible, you know, when you think about it. Now, I'll, I'll, we'll go ball reversal. Chris, have you spoken to him? I, yeah, I talked to him this morning just for a few minutes, and uh, he was like, oh, you're going. I said, yeah, I wasn't planning on it. And, <laughs> About ten minutes to go in the game, I was thinking about cleaning out my garage on Saturday, but instead, I booked a flight uh, for for Houston.
0: Hey, Eric and Mike, have you guys had a chance to speak with them?
3: Yeah, I've communicated with them
2: and I told them and said, "Hey, we're we're going to be there. We're, we're planning on being there, and just so happy for them." And he reached out to Mrs. L as well, and as you know, she's been right there along the way, every every step of the way, and just thrilled for them both. Can't wait to see them.
0: Hey, Mike, I, I would say uh, that that moment they captured of, of him taking the net off of his net, uh, neck and putting it around her. I don't know. It's like, I want to be like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was it was pure joy. It, it was. Uh, I spoke to him as well. I spoke right after the other day and had had a great conversation with him. Then keep him long. But uh, just to see them two together. I mean, just the many years is. It's been like that ever since I played for them back in, the, you know, the early 90s playing. They've, they've been that way for as long as I can remember. And, you know, just to see the joy and the, the love that they have for each other and the way they share everything. Like Mrs. L knows everything about Coach L. Everything is not a thing that she doesn't know. And that's that's what makes it special right there.
0: All right, so this, this is going to be the most open-ended question, the the, the the softball, I'm putting it right in front of all three of you.
1: Why is he so damn good? You know what? He has adapted. I played for him. So he wasn't the same coach that I played for that he is today. He's changed. He his, his, He's mellowed out. You know, he's so calm on the sideline. He allows those guys to play as he did with us. He allowed us to play, but he was more hands-on with us as players, where now he's just so carefree. He's just out there having fun. I'm talking about he's enjoying the heck out of it. I don't think nobody's having more fun than him. I mean, any coach or players are having more fun than he is at this moment. And it shows in just the way he coaches. And, you know, you see the joy, the smile, and the whistle. You hear it all the whole time during the game. So it was, it's just fun for me to sit back and watch him and, and just know, like, where he's come from from way back when to what he is today. And Eric, what do you, I mean,
0: you're in the seat, you've seen him in that seat at at multiple stops. I mean, I mean, he's a hall of fame, you know what I mean? He's just so damn good. Uh, And as Michael said, he's, and he's adapted over so many generations.
2: I think the first thing you start with Josh, and I know each of us feel it is he really cares about the people in, in the program, Uh, the coaches, their wives, their children, the players their parents their brothers and sisters you can't fake that stuff it's a very genuine care for everybody and then as a basketball coach he's he's very convicted in in things that he believes in you know we talked all the time i know it's his fingerprints are all over our program with attitude commitment and class but then he's also one of the most curious people on the face of the earth so not only is he rooted in those things that are so important to him but he's from trying to read a book and then reaching out to the author to talking to this person who's an experienced and a expert in this other area. But after all these years, he just remains curious and constantly getting better and better. And Chris, for you, what, uh, you know,
0: you've been very stout about, you know, his just do, you know what I mean? And, and what he has accomplished and where he's done it.
3: Yeah. I think, you know, like, obviously when you're judging coaches, you know, I don't. I, I've said it. I don't know. I got a little bit of stuff this week over something I said, but it was like when you've won that many games at places that you know they're not traditional powers. It's not. You know, obviously we all know Roy Williams is an incredible coach. He he had two jobs: Kansas and North Carolina. You know, whereas Coach L is now going to be pushing 800 wins at you know places that are were not considered basketball powers before he got there. And so, uh, you know, I think that 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 really is. It's just been incredible, his ability to go different places, different parts of the country, different types of schools, and yet the same thing over and over, the success. And no, so and I, I think the idea that the players know that it's always coming from a place of like, he's looking out for my best interest. This is, this is to my benefit. There's no agenda. I don't think there's any thought like, yeah, he's saying this to me, but it's really for him. And that's hard to get to. I don't. I don't know if there's a way to do that without. He just got that way about him. I think when they walk in the office and he's like, going to talk to him about something, they're always like, there can be they're receptive because they believe it's coming from a good place.
1: Make this the day your life changes. The all new UFIT Gyms has been created to give you exactly what
0: you need to accelerate your fitness results, including state of the art equipment and a new cross functional turf training area. Enjoy personal training as low as $35 and new small group training classes, including HIT Plus. Take it to the next level with personalized nutrition from Eat Love, along with anywhere, anytime access to UFIT On Demand with over 1,000 workouts. Reach your goals faster at the new UFIT Gyms. Which means leads me to my next thing, Chris, which is, and you you see it on captured on TV, the hugs, the kisses, the, the <laughs> smiles, the dancing. But like, his players genuinely love him, and maybe it's because that's he he probably treats them that way.
3: They just love playing for him. I mean, I think all of us have coached with him long enough, and the guys that we've coached, I mean, it's it's incredible.
0: It's, it's it's kind of a different persona, right? You think of college coaches, Eric, and, you know, discipline and uh, not that there, there's no discipline, right? But the authoritarian type thing. And like, you see this, re- this relationship that's back and forth with him, you guys, his players, and there's just a, it seems like a, a genuineness to it.
2: Yeah. well, And it's built over time because he, he has a way of, you know, that he's trying to help you. He was demanding, but very fair, but also very caring for all of us, and there was an expectation to do things at a high level, but at the same time, you knew that he would do anything for us. Chris and Mike and I, we we all coached together for eight years, and every spring, every spring, we'd sit down on the table, we'd meet all the time, he'd say, all right, well, you know, there's a lot of coaching changes right now, and if there's something that's that's good for you, and it's better for you, and just let me know and I'll call and I'll try to help. Like nobody does that. Like, it's not like that. And we, we then all of a sudden get together, like, is he trying to get rid of me? me." (laughs) And, 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 but we, we loved him for it. (laughs) And we all stayed until we got head coaching jobs. And I think we were very fortunate, all of us, I think to be selected by him to work on his staff. Um, But he had a way that you just, you never wanted to let him down. You just wanted to help him. You wanted to help him win, and, and knowing in return that of course, uh, he always had the best interest of everybody in the program. Mike,
0: you mentioned before his demeanor, um and you mentioned like, hey, like you watch him on the sidelines. He is so calm, at least from what they what you see, right? I mean, like there's just a a steadiness that this must be the the maturation in the years and the wisdom,
1: yes. and and being that I, I a for him, I know that caring. Uh, part of him, and and he's always had your best interest at heart. And he would tell you the truth. And that was how I, you know, coach was doing the same thing, always being honest with the guys. And they may not like it, um, but at the end of the day, it was the truth, and he was honest, and he cared, you know. And he showed me that about, you know, the way you coach and, you know, caring for your players and, um, you know, your players caring for you at the end. So just that that calmness, it, it just – it's just a beauty to see, and we've all witnessed it, you know, firsthand. We've seen how calm he's in every situation. He's he's really calm. He doesn't get rattled. You don't see him screaming and hollering at the referees a lot, you know. And they know once he says something, that it probably they missed the call because he doesn't he's <laughs> not on him the whole time. So they they know that, and I you know just uh emulated everything that he did. And you know, as an assistant, you always think you know better. As an assistant, we make suggestions all day. And he make decisions, and that's the big difference. All of us now understand that because now we're in the situation where we're making those decisions. And I remember leaving, and it was like, man, I'm not gonna meet this much. There's no way, I'm gonna meet all the time like we do. And I am the same way. Everything we meeting <laughs> all the time, and I was like, geez. I called Coach one day, like. Hey, Coach, man, I just got to tell you, I'm a mini-you right now. I meet all the time with my guys. He started laughing, so we had a good time with that one.
0: Now, he has told me, no cursing, that he does not utter vulgarities. Hey, is that true, and have you guys been able to uh, hold up to the same standard?
1: I have not. So <laughs>
3: Eric probably doesn't curse, but the New York guys—it's hard, man. It's hard for the New York guys. He, hey, do you know the story about Doc? I think the Doc Rivers story, right? Uh-uh. Like, well, I'll let Eric. Right, you don't curse, right? I'm assuming. Uh,
2: I think this year I might have slipped one out. This
3: <laughs> you know, he's friends with Doc Rivers, and. Uh, I don't know. It was one time they were talking about it, and he was like, Well, I don't curse. And he was like, Really? And he's like, Yeah, you know, here's why, whatever. And, and he says, Man, I'm going to try that. And it was like three days into training camp, he talked to Doc, and he was like, Hey, how's the no cursing going? And he was like, Yeah, it's just like, I could do it. <laughs> I was like, Wait
0: a second. I think I've cursed five times today already. And he hasn't, you know, he's got 20 years on me. Chris, back to you. What about his mind? Basketball. Like, I'm talking pure basketball mind. Like, I don't, a savant to me i don't you know know it but like i did feel like he's just it's all in there right and he can dig and dig and dig and it's it's
3: yeah he's got first of all he's got so many reps right from from both being a a a good player at a high level both at the high school level like his high school team would have amounted to being one of the best high school teams probably in america he goes to college he plays with guys that are legit like hall of famers like ernie d and you know Marvin Barnes is there at that time, and you know played against Kareem and all that, and then he goes and is an assistant for a long time and successful, and goes to Final Fours at Virginia and coaches Ralph Sampson. And at that time, the ACC is Mike Krzyzewski, Dean Smith, Lefty Drizell. I mean, like that. You know, uh, Jim Valvano, what have you, and then all the reps. So while the game evolves, there's so many things that would happen, like in 2018. And somebody would run it and you'd be like, oh, did you see this? He says, yeah, we ran that in 1984 (laughs) in this game or whatever, you know. And and, uh, so obviously he he eats, sleeps, drinks, basketball, was a great player, has gotten so much experience. And I think to Eric's point, when you, you have to be both convicted to be good, but also be a lifelong learner, too. And that's a lot of people don't have that balance, you know, and I think he's got it. That's what's allowed him to evolve. We we turned into a five-out oh. team last year, which, you know, I think was different for him, although I think he would tell you, oh, yeah, well, we were five-out, but it was in, like, 1988, and we did <laughs> for a little while, or whatever. And now we're back to being five-out, you know.
0: Mike, as you watch from afar, do you see things sometimes just like, he did it what a move, or he pulled it out from something. You know what I mean? Like, you must watch with, with amazement.
1: Or maybe you're just taking notes. I don't know. <laughs> it is is it, You're always watching and learning. And the fun part is I'm watching, ugh, I don't remember, Texas. And I'm thinking to myself, trap the ball screen. And then all of a sudden, he traps it. <laughs> and then I'm like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Trap the ball screen. Get it out of his hands. And you you talk to the TV in hopes that he uh, he can hear you. And you know, and then you see it, it's like, yes, he trapped the ball screen. Good job. You know what I mean? And it's just that's the part that I love when I'm thinking something. And then he goes out and execute what I was thinking at the time. And you see it, and you like, man, that dude, he definitely understands it, he gets it, and he can relate. And that's the thing. And he definitely he goes back on you. He was like, Remember in you know, 1988, and you like coach, come on, man. 88? (laughs) You know, like, oh, remember that? And he'll throw names at you and things that you, and it jars your memory. Like, how in the world does he remember that stuff? But he's great at it. He's great at remembering things that you think like, "There's no way he remembers that stuff." So we did we
0: did a podcast about like two weeks ago about the 2013 team, and Julian was there, and he he recalled the play from Chapel Hill. I think he called the play power. Julian got a dunk or something, and and he had it. Julian knew it. Coach L knew it. Uh, he he didn't. He doesn't forget a thing. It was a, a double back, back screen. What's it? Yeah, there you go. See, double you know, back
3: power, power, oh, power, yeah, power. Back See, power. They don't they don't run it anymore. So we can we can reveal the 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 play That's call. Right. <laughs> yeah. How what were those meetings like back in the
0: day, Eric? Whether George Mason or you know Miami, when you guys were just sitting in rooms, what would what did he want? What did he what what would he ask for? How, what were you guys diving into?
2: Well, we did meet a lot, and so you know, some sometimes the the first meeting would. He, he'd make comments about the movie he watched the night before with well. You know the. the I remember. Uh, I won't say the whole story, but one time he went to Notorious and he wanted to ask questions about Notorious the next day, and and so you know he he's he does all these things. He's got he does have some other interests, but they're all they're rooted in in young people and and learning, and I think the best thing, and and I, and I remember in the time that you, you're you sitting in these meetings and, and you there's so many things to be done. But I am so grateful for it because he, he was really training us to be head coaches too. And there were times that I know that he may already have what he wanted to do in his mind. Sometimes maybe not so much. Sometimes he was really just trying to gather information from us, but he he was constantly training us to think like a head coach. And even though they were suggestions from us, I know each of us, treated it like hey if it was our decision like what would what would we think about and we discuss and he gave us an insight into all the different things that he had on his plate we tried very hard to do as much as we could to take those things off his plate but from game planning to recruiting to things going on on campus to marketing to you know what the golf cart should look like to uh doing different events the guy is just non-stop and he gave us an insight to all those things and those happened in those meetings so you guys have
0: all are head coaches, have been head coaches, and the thing that I found, so I, I did about a year ago, I think he came on the podcast with me, and of course, knowing Coach L and his storytelling, it turned into a two-parter. <laughs> it was lengthy, and I've always found interesting his career path. You know, the choices he made, how he got started, how long he stayed at the schools he stayed at, where he went to, and I was wondering if, if uh, and Michael, I guess we'll start you and co- the way you guys are lined up, I'm going this way, Michael, Eric, Chris. If you ever had those conversations with him, if you asked those questions, what you
1: found interesting to you about how he kind of managed his career? The biggest thing is comfort. He was always and still is uh, a creature of comfort. And once he's comfortable in a situation, it's hard to hard to move him in that regard. Uh, George Mason, he was very comfortable at George Mason and really enjoyed his time at George Mason. And now Miami, he's there to stay. He's not going anywhere. And that's the that's the beauty and and once he finds something that he loves and enjoy it's hard to pull him away from it and he's not a guy with a bunch of extracurricular activities he doesn't golf and none of that stuff all he does is basketball and movies those are his two things he'd go to the movie in a heartbeat like hey michael let's go see this movie tonight And it's like come on coach y'all go to the movie you know <laughs> he like he like come on let's go and then he make you go basically, so you go and watch movies <laughs> with him and all this stuff. He got like the the year pass and all of that stuff. So he, he goes to every movie and watch every movie.
0: But Eric, his career, like I was listening today back to that podcast. I mean, he's in he's drafted by the Pistons, and it just so happens his high school coach is at a camp at Davidson and rec. I mean, it's Belgium to D two
2: school. I mean, it's it's crazy. So. And, and Chris could speak on this because he played for Mr. Curran too. And, and, but I, I got to meet Mr. Curran a few times and just the way coach would speak about him and how long Mr. Curran coached both basketball and baseball. And, and he always talked about like, that's what he wanted to be like. And but he wanted to do it at the college level, or that's the opportunities that came, but it's, it's also so incredible. You hear about how the stories were then I'm telling my young assistants what the stories were like 20 years ago when we started, but he was 21 years old and he basically took the the car at Davidson that was red and had the school logo on the side and just would drive for two weeks and try to go find players. And, you know, it was a time that there wasn't a lot of staff members. It was really him and another guy. And it's not like you're, uh, you know, this was what you did and his stories. And I know Mike and Chris both talked about his recall, but we've been in many long car rides, each of us with Coach L and the radio was never on and the AC was rarely ever on either. I've heard, I've was- heard
0: my sources have told me the bus is
2: sometimes a little warm, <laughs> <laughs>
1: but,
2: but the number of stories and I know I loved them. Like I loved, uh, you know, growing up in the Midwest and you hear about New York city basketball, I mean, you get to hear, you know, about, about those stories, countless hours and it was great. It was just great. The
0: fascinating part about, you know, his New York upbringing, you know, an hour and a half going to Malloy back and forth just to play basketball.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think what Eric said, you know, Coach Curran had such a big influence on most everybody that played for him. And what's neat is I think Coach L has, you know, been able to uh, replicate that at the college level is, you know, the people that have been around him. He's had a big, uh, a big influence on them and you get to live a, a coaching life for a long time, which is what Coach Curran did you know, at one place at the high school level and, and Coach L's done it in a, a couple places, but has had that same effect. And uh I give him a lot of credit, quite honestly, from le- leaving George Mason, you know, I mean, people forget I was talking to, you know, I've gotten a couple calls now about this stuff this week. So oh, well, got, I
0: thought I was the only one given some interviews, <laughs> but, uh, uh,
3: you know, like he was the Washingtonian of the year, you know, in DC, like he was recognizable in this community in a big city that loves basketball and and is is a great place to live and all that and yet he had the courage to say hey you know if I'm going to take this shot I'm going to I'm going to do it now and and he got the opportunity to place that I think there probably were certain people that would said this this might not be a great move I don't know if this is the right move for someone who's had so much success and it, you know we're coming off NCAA tournament wins and things like that and yet he had the uh, you know, you talk about his career path, the courage to to take the Miami job and then to do what he's done is you know, really, really incredible when you think about it.
0: So speaking of that, when when did you find out he had gotten the Miami job or that he was talking about the Miami job? How did that come to be? <laughs> and I see two guys laughing, so this must be good.
1: <laughs> I'm glad I'll put it this way, I'm glad you asked Eric that question.
0: <laughs> well, it doesn't mean you're not gonna it doesn't mean there's not gonna be a follow up, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We, we all knew truth.
0: I want the truth, Mr. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well,
2: I I knew it was happening and (laughs) knew that there was involvement and, and, you know uh, and then knew when he got it and we all kind of knew at the same time. And the cool thing was he, he told all of us right away, like, I'm going to do this and want all all you guys to come. And you don't see that a ton. Um, But, but he was, you know, the loyalty he felt towards us and we certainly felt towards him. But I remember, you know, we, we, all, we all loved being together and we, we loved what we were doing and we had a great team, but I, I was fired up, you know, fired up to, to go to Miami and take, take a shot in the ACC. And, you know, the thing I remember most, he, he's told this story that, you know, obviously his, his two sons are uh, big in basketball too. And, and, and the one was to hey, it'd be really cool to, to go to Duke and Carolina and play them. And he said, it's only cool if you can win. <laughs> and, and that's always been him. It's always about the competition and the pursuit. And, you know, I'm, I'm certainly thankful that he made that, that call to go to Miami.
3: Change the trajectory of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit Miami.edu DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you how did
0: he present it to you guys i mean was it as simple as i'm going or there was a, a vision of what he was there a vision Uh oh all right so i got
3: i gotta answer this yeah, mike come I on, this, chris on. and
0: then chris and then huger chris and then huger
3: i'm interviewing at florida to go to be an assistant for billy donovan billy donovan says to me hey you hear anything about laranaga to miami i'm like not really like i don't i don't know i i don't think so you know i'd be surprised and then i'm driving from Gainesville Orlando. And I get Coach L calls and he's like, Chris, uh, you by yourself? And I was yeah, I'm just in the rental car, I just head back. He so, okay, I got Michael and Eric here. You guys must have been in his basement, right? Yeah, we were upstairs.
2: We were upstairs in that that main area. In yes. Oakton.
3: Okay, hi guys. Like, wonder what 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 what's going on? And it's like, <laughs> um, I've been offered the Miami job if I accept the job. <laughs> Uh, you guys are all coming if you want and you know and I'm like oh well that's good at least I know I got a job we got jobs and then it was like that was that I flew home I called him no answer straight voicemail and then he if you remember guy he didn't answer for a while like the next morning we're like well he kind of said like if he was going to take the job did he take it like he's not answering <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing I remember from that
1: was he actually told us it was like the time frame was Monday. I basically, I interviewed with Jay Wright from Villanova. And uh, we we talked throughout the week. And Thursday, Coach O basically officially said he had the job. He told us, they don't remember this. He said, y'all have till Sunday to decide if y'all come oh, yeah, with yeah, me yeah, or not. <laughs> he had me and Eric down there on Saturday. We were down there on Saturday sitting down. And I remember, remember the text I got called from Jay Wright? And he has right. showed you the text. He said, Does this mean you're out at Villanova or something like that? He said to me about it. And I showed Coach, like, look, this is Jay Wright, this is Jay Wright. I was like, well, I'm gonna stay here
2: with Coach. Cause we were staying at that, what was it? The West End? Like we were up by Mirror Colonnade.
0: Yeah. Colonnade. Yeah.
2: That's it. That's right.
0: Oh my God. So what once you guys got down here, what was his blueprint? Like what all right, guys, this is how we're gonna get it done.
3: I mean, I would let those guys answer. I, I think it changed. That was the interesting thing, right? It, it it like it evolved as we learned about the University of Miami, the ACC. I think the two things were we inherited some good players: the Duran Scotts, the Kenny Kajis, the Julian Gamble's, the those guys, Trey McKinney, Jones, uh, and then the big one was getting Shane in the summer. We recruited Shane. Eric had done a good job uh, with Shane at George Mason, and then. You get Chained, and now you take a team and that's like maybe has a chance to crack to the NCAA tournament from the NIT to, hey, we had the best player in the league to that team, and now you can in two years win the league. And then we, I, I feel like – I don't know if these guys feel this way. That allowed us to learn on the job because we needed to learn a little bit about what was going to work at Miami.
1: The the thing I remember about this most and the funniest part, we all shared a dorm room together. We Me, yeah. Cox, and – in Caputo, we shared a dorm room together and when we first got down there we do you guys remember? We got on the phone and called every high school coach in Florida and every AAU coach in Florida. We we okay. we just, we connected ourselves with these dudes in Florida in the worst way and we were able to recruit Florida hard just because of that day. We were on the phone for days. It took us days to call. Oh, we had the phone book and all this stuff and just was calling. We took turns and took a group and we all just call all the Florida high schools and AAU guys. And that was fun, you know, just hanging out with these guys during that time. Why has he been able to
0: make Miami what it is? I mean, we got four sweet 16s, two elite eights and a final four.
2: Well, I think it goes to some of those other things. You know, he he came to Miami with a great reputation too. I mean, final four coach, guy that had been doing it a long time. You know, I still remember that night he, he, he was reported, he took the job in a, I won't say names, but a very prominent national writer hits me up and says, so he's really going there to retire, huh? And I'm like, maybe in 15 years, I don't know. Like, this guy is never slowing down. But again, I I just think it goes back to he he is always trying to figure things out, and he's been able to evolve. When we first got there, and I absolutely agree with with what Chris said, you know, and it's different now. Like, you, you take a new job. Uh, like we all have, especially recently, there's initial year eligibility and everybody can jump on the portal. Well, well, then, you know, I think that those guys, there was a little bit of a, they were rooted together. I remember we had a a, a scholarship. Once Bishop decided he was coming, still coming, we had one scholarship. And I remember so many meetings and he wasn't just going to take anybody. There was opportunities to take a guy or two. I remember a couple of transfers that were profile guys and he just was like, you just got to find the right guy. He's just so thoughtful. He's so curious and he's constantly trying to just figure it out. And, and that's what I think about the, the maturation. I know during my four years there, just the, the iterations of our recruiting, how we did official visits, like he was never just satisfied. He'd be pleased with something, but it's like, Hey, can we make this better? And I think that's the true genius of, of coach Lernagin. And how do you think it's, Chris, you
0: you were with him the longest here at Miami, how he sort of cracked the code on acquisition, development, you know, Mm -hmm. you brought in players different ways, you know, over that time still. And he's able to bring even most recently with the new faces and they just, they seem to integrate fairly seamlessly.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think we evaluated players. Well, these two guys on here are two of the best evaluators I've been around. uh, So they were able to, you know, really evaluate players. Well, I think the model for what Miami was really became, Hey, can you recruit the state of Florida? Like everybody talks about, right. But really it's Miami Brown, Palm beach, right. Because we know those are the guys that really feel the connection to the U, you know, and then look at our, you know, we, we looked at some of the success that a guy like Duran Scott had, right. And said like, Hey, we're from New York, the Northern cities, Miami attracts those people. So Bruce Brown from Boston or, you know, now, you know, Isaiah Wong from New Jersey, or, you know, Davon Reed, uh, Lonnie Walker, uh, Jaquan Newton from Pennsylvania, you know, those guys would feel uh, very comfortable, like Mike was talking about comfort at at a place like the University of Miami, because it's really like a northern school in the south, in a lot of ways. And then I think the big one, it's a little bit of, I don't know, we probably kind of lucked into this a little bit, but like, the transfer idea, right? On that first team, you have uh, Trey McKinney-Jones and Kenny Kaji, who we inherited, but they had transferred and sat out. We lose Shane and those seniors and then we're like, okay, what do we do now? And then Angel Rodriguez and Sheldon McClellan become available and they sit out. And so while we were not quite as good because of losing Shane, we sat out two all-conference players that then wound up helping uh, us to go back to the Sweet 16. and, And then that became sort of the thing. And then you get a... A Kamari Murphy who sat out or a Cam Augusti who was a first team all league player uh, and, and leads us to the lead eight. So, and now obviously you look at the the team now with the transfers uh, with Jordan Miller and, and pack and, and, and Omer. Um, So that became a, a thing as well. And I think to, to these guys point, it's coaches evolving. He can evolve. He can adjust. He's looking, he's searching, he's a problem solver. And that's uh, been a, uh, you know, obviously a, a pretty clear path now as to what Miami basketball looks like in terms of the roster composition. When you think of great football and baseball,
1: you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lobovic Law Group. At Lobovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured, you need to call or click Labovic. Lobovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricane and proud sponsor of all things you go you
0: i've kind of this is something that's gone through my head but it's like it's just beginning you know we're you know what i mean like 12 13 years in back-to-back elite eights final four like the door's got to be wide open for him you know what i mean like whether it's recruits transfers whatever i mean it's like a whole nother path
3: if if you know anything about basketball and you're watching them play and the way he coaches those guys and how they play, you would want to go there and play.
0: And Eric, I would I, unless you're recruiting against someone he's recruiting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm not going up against Coach L. No, yeah,
0: but, but seriously, like, like, why wouldn't like for all the things you said about him, what he's done for the program, the city and the school, like, there's like a whole nother.
3: I mean, we're not on the payroll anymore, but yes, we're <laughs> going to all agree with this.
0: <laughs> well, I I, I, I want to keep enjoying watching, you know, hoops in my backyard, guys. Yeah, you know,
2: we 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 always felt, you know, for I think Coach has got a great developmental track record of helping guys get better. It was always focused on players, focused on helping players, and I think that was a big that was a big part of of Sheldon an angel coming too. Like they, they just felt like, you know, from angel looking at how we, how we played with Shane and then Sheldon and and feeling like, Hey, I got a chance to sit out here and, and and really try to improve. And then of course, you know, too, it's, it's a, it's a great league. It's a great school. It's a great place. And then guys also could feel like, Hey, it's not a bad spot to sit out. (laughs) Um, But when, when you are a player and, and you feel great confidence from your head coach. And you have a freedom, you know, that there's expectation, you know, there's accountability, but then you also know like, Hey, this, this guy really rocks with me. You know, that, that's what coach does. And he's done it for years. And I, I know Mike has said, he'd love to play like these guys get to play now and not just run Commodore all the time. And, <laughs> uh, but in some of the plays, but you he, he said it, Josh, it's just beginning. He's going to go for a long, long time.
0: Let me ask Michael, just to pick up on what Eric said, because he fuels his players, right? To me, it's it's like easy and hard. And you guys are coaches, right? Like there's a freedom he lets them play with. But I also imagine as a coach, you want to also have a lot of control. And he spoke about this when we did the podcast that, you know, he he was talking about his kids. I think at Bowling Green, he was like, dad, stop coaching me. And he kind of had this self-revelation about, I kind of have to let them be. Which is not always easy in the position you guys are in, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, he spent a, a lot of time with uh, Dr. Bob Rotella, who helped him out tremendously with that and just talking to him and, and being able to calm himself. And, um, you know, for me, the biggest thing was, was playing for him and saw that difference in the way he coached back in the early 90s and the way he coaches now. For me, it was an easy sell to, to get players because I played for him. So I can tell guys of, of how he let you play, how we'll let you, you know, but you got to be disciplined. You got to, you know, it, it looks like it's like it's not organized, but it is organized chaos out there. So the guys play, and but that's how he gives you that freedom with structure, if that makes any sense. So they have the freedom to play, but it is definitely structured. It's not just running wild and ball screens and just shooting a bunch of sh- uh, shots. It's, it's definitely organized and you see it. You see that the guys thrive in that system and the way they play And especially when they go to five out and, you know, spread those guys out and be able to drive and open up driving lanes for those guys getting downhill. So it's definitely fun to see. And especially when you understand a lot of the plays and understand the spacing that that's needed in order to get that. And, you know, when you see it, it's, it's definitely a thing of beauty. So that's the that's the fun part when we get a chance to sit back and watch and not totally in it. So that's that's been something that's been fun for me. I did a
0: couple of things and I'll let you guys go uh, again with coach. He's read so much. He's done so much sort of self-development and, and and self-improvement. And I think his energy, right? There's a certain thing to his spirit and his energy. And I know ACC uh, to some means something in the conference, uh, but Eric, would you mind sharing for me what ACC means to coach L? And I know when you were at Louisiana tech, you took that with you.
2: Yeah. And it's here at Tulsa too. And it's something that, that I, I absolutely believe in and, not just from seeing it be successful, but I, I just think it's a great way to be. But uh sort of talk about coach's convictions, like he, he wants guys with great attitudes and that know how to handle adversity. And we talk about those things, he wants guys that are totally and unconditionally committed to be passionate about what they do. And then third, uh to do things in a first-class manner and thought, word, and deed. And so we talk about attitude, commitment in class and and is plastered all over the place at George Mason and at Miami I know for me at Louisiana Tech and here at Tulsa and I just think that when you're again you have those types of convictions he he'll be very flexible and movable and and will will form and morph into other things offensively and defensively based on his team's best personnel and how he wants to do it but when it comes to those things like there's there's no bending or breaking like he he expects with good juice guys that are trying to get better and guys are going to do things. Right. Chris, what have you taken with you? I know there's a
0: lot, but
3: yeah, I mean, I I'm using attitude commitment class as well. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I decided pretty early on that I was I was going to do a lot of the things that we did. And then, you know, if there were things that I wanted to tweak, I would tweak, but it would start with the foundation of, of those things. Um, you know, for me, I was around so long that I saw a lot of the different flexible changing of schemes and things like that. But uh, ultimately, I think to Eric's point, what, what didn't change is the type of people he wanted to have around, you know, on the staff, you know, uh, was probably just as much important as, as the type of players you'd want around, like, you know, uh, positive, uh, upbeat people who were, uh you know, fun to be around and, and good people. Uh, I think he had, you know, just as much of a knack of finding the right type of staff. I worked with, you know, all sorts of really good people, uh, in, in my time. So I think that's probably one of the things that I I took the most is how important it was to get the staff, right. And if you look at all the guys throughout the years, going back to Bowling Green and, and even, you know, the guys that are there now, I mean, super, super smart, really loyal, hardworking, good role models on the staff. uh, And obviously guys that have been successful uh, head coaches uh, as well.
0: Mike, on the way out, just Miami's in the final four with coach (laughs) Larinaga.
1: I was, I I just, the excitement was, was just through the roof. I mean, I, I was so excited just to, you know, for those guys and, you know, the, the, the work that Eric, Chris and I put in to, to help build it. And now you see, uh, the benefits of our hard work in, in the early stages of it and, and helping them get it going. And uh, those guys just took it to another level. And that that was so much fun to see and uh, just be a part of and knowing that you help build something special down in Miami. So that part's been fun. Uh, I also took attitude commitment in class as well. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's just what we live by and what was preached to us as well, not only to the players, but to us and that we carried ourselves in the same thing in a first class manner. And we, we definitely, all three of us took that with us. And, you know, that's why we'll, you know, be successful moving forward.
3: Hey, speaking from somebody who is there, I will tell you two guys, uh, the way they travel is a little bit different uh, last year and this year than it was when we first got there. Just, just in case anybody was wondering.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I think a lot of things are different. Yeah. Yeah, A Um, lot of things.
1: That paycheck, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it'll
0: probably be a little different come, uh, come a few weeks <laughs> from now, too, right? And, hey, uh, we've done some pretty good work here. Eric, so two things. One, most coaches, and you guys are all coaches, don't let them see, you know, they kind of play it next game, one game at a time mentality. But he's also said, you start with the end in mind. So have you even allowed yourself to think about Monday night? What if he's holding it all up? And what that might feel like.
2: Well, the fir- first thought of the day for every practice is begin with the end in mind. And yeah, I think without a doubt. I, I mean, we're, we're, we're not coaching the game, so we're not thinking about UConn on Saturday. But, um, you know, I, I spoke with somebody, a, a writer before this, and I, I think the thing is, that is so enjoyable and, and is so satisfying to me, and I know Chris and Mike, is in moments like this for his story to get told because yes, he went to the final four in 06 with George Mason. And some people will will look at that as like the the great Cinderella story. And to do it again, 17 years later in a totally different landscape, I'm just happy that, and I know basketball people will think he's one of the best, but just truly cement himself as one of the best. And then to do it, if you can get to Monday night and cut the nets down, like, boy, that'd be, that'd be something. That'd be something.
0: Chris, you got the final, it was like the old uh, sports reporters. You got the the last, the final shot.
3: I I mean, I would just say I, I'm looking forward to going to Miami basketball game as a fan for the first time in 11 years. I, I'm not going to be uh, too bent out of shape if, if somebody misses a block out or a contest uh, in the green and orange for the first time in a long time. But uh, I'm just going to be there cheering, uh, excited to uh, – to just watch and, and taking the moment and excited for coach. You, it's hard to get there once, you know, do you get there twice? It's pretty incredible. And uh, I, I'm just hoping that we'll all soon be together in, in Springfield when, uh, when they induct him in the hall of fame, because uh, that, that should be a given at this point.
0: All right, guys, thank you. Coach Uger, Conkle, coach Caputo. It's been a joy. I appreciate you doing this. He deserves it. And that's why I wanted it. Yeah. And I wanted, you know, you guys know his story better than anyone else. You guys are great guys. He's awesome. Appreciate you guys. And uh, to coach Conklin Caputo, I hope I didn't, uh, hope I didn't block out any, uh, portal news. I'm sure. Don't worry about it. There'll be 300 more people in the, in the portal. Like, <laughs> one. Well, have fun in Houston guys. And hope you guys are all celebrating Monday night with coach Laranega.
2: All right. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thank you, Josh. Great Josh. Have you a Great night. Bye Thanks back.
0: guys. Appreciate you guys.